Welcome to the Gorilla Social Work Podcast, your crackerjack clinical insurgents pitting evidence against anecdotes. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, and anyone else who just snuck into the room, welcome to the Gorilla Social Work Podcast. Get ready to swing through the vines of forensic clinical treatment with your hosts, Jeff, Ginger Nymph Moore, and Mace Warren. Jeff and Mace are two fearless forensic psychotherapists here to tackle the wildest, weirdest, and most wonderful aspects of working in the criminal justice system. In today's podcast, we welcome Officer Jackson Daniels to discuss his mission in blending counseling and law enforcement and bringing it to the front lines of the dark underbelly of society. Our five-star rating today is brought to you by Wolfblood 8000. Are you tired of being tired? Are you out of shape? Well, have we got the solution for you? Introducing Wolfblood 8000. It's not your ordinary supplement. It's the turbo booster your fitness routine has been craving. It's like a shot of motivation straight to your muscles. Let's be honest, who needs exercise when you can just pop a pill? It's like a personal trainer in a bottle. I mean, just imagine. You can have those six-packs abs without ever doing a single sit-up. But wait, there's more. If you order now, we'll throw in a special binge buster blend absolutely free. That means you can enjoy all the pizza, fries, and ice cream you want without gaining an ounce. It's magic. Now, some people might say, well, is it safe? Our team of scientists has assured us that Wolfblood 8000 is totally, maybe, sorta safe. Side effects may include uncontrollable bicep flexing, sudden bursts of energy, and the inexplicable urge to high-five strangers. Don't miss out on this incredible opportunity. Visit our website, www.wolfblood8000gottahaveitplease.com and use the promo code 5STARRATING to get 10% off your first order. Wolfblood 8000, because who needs hard work when you can have shortcuts? And now, on with the show. We're going to kind of show something. I mean, I guess we'll see what we expect, but it'd also be good to like get into what even got you into policing, what made you want to do it, you know, things like that. Absolutely. Cool. Awesome. Absolutely. Well, yeah, we're already rolling. So, so that's that was, what we'll talk uh, yeah, about right yeah, now. That was, <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah. yeah, but yeah. dude, Hey, before, before we got into that, I had something I needed to show you and Jackson, you'll love this too. Oh, sure. I just wanted to get a professional opinion on this. Okay? Why are you asking us? Well, <laughs> cause we're just three dudes, right, right? right? There's a lot of testosterone floating around. I'm, in I'm this a professional room. dude. Right? <laughs> right. So, um, okay. There was once upon a time when I was a wee lad, right. Mm-hmm. And, I would watch a commercial, you know, and it had two women walking on a beach, you know, and they were talking about something I really didn't know about. And not till I became like later in my teens did I realize that was a feminine hygiene commercial, right? Sure. And I liked the mystery. I liked the mystery that was involved in the feminine hygiene commercials. And I'm just gonna I'm just gonna say things are a little different now, okay? Because I wanna I wanted to show you guys a little something here. And get again, you know. Jackson, police officer. Jeff, you're a therapist. We're all three grown men. I want to get a professional opinion on on this. Um, and then you guys, you guys, let me know what you think about this here. Just take a pea-sized amount and apply it like a lotion to your privates. Oh, then boy. kiss your stinky butt goodbye. <laughs> goodbye. Ah! No one likes odor below the belt. Whether you're at the gym getting free samples of butt incense, at the office inhaling your own front fumes, or in bed doing some stinky wanky. 
No, not the television. This no, commercial, by the way. This is just commercial. <laughs> Why isn't there deodorant for privates? Now there is with Lumi, the only natural deodorant you can safely use on your private parts. Lumi is clinically proven to eliminate odor all day. And if you're using your privates all day, good for you. Lumi's been proven to control odor for 72 hours. Lumi works by stopping odor at the source. Bacteria. Most crotch and butt smells come from bacteria on the skin, breaking down fluids and farting out odor. Lumi stops them from eating so they can't fart. Now they're polite germs. Hello, governor. Hello, governor. <laughs> Lumi was created by an OBGYN to be totally. Dude, I love everything is 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 like characterized by some little gremlin too nowadays. <laughs> like it's like the the Mucinex got like gremlins in your nose or that one that's like below your toenail that like ripped your toenail off. Mucinex. When you have that, yeah. yeah. I'm like damn, dude. Be safe and effective. It's made with gentle ingredients and only goes on the outside, not the inside. Stop putting things inside. <laughs> What the douchebags tell you the outside is where the odor is anyway. Hey, those are mine. You have enough douchebags in your life, Cheryl. Lumi is natural and safe, even for the most sensitive parts of the body, like the ones men can't find. Just take a pea-sized amount and apply it like a lotion to your I feel like it's a little too on the nose, you know? Like, Goodbye. So if your junk smells so awful, you're bad at hide and seek, click the link below to try Lumi today. If you don't love it, you can send it back for a full refund. No questions asked. No one wants to ask questions about your privates, Jeremy. But don't take my word for it. Here are strangers talking about their privates over the internet for free. Lumi is the best deodorant I have found for those sweaty folds, cracks, and crepes. I applied Lumi yesterday to the groin area, and 24 hours later, I'm still odor-free. Lumi Gross. is hands down the best. Wonderful for after workouts or before intimacy. Or both if intimacy is a workout. And because How long is this commercial? It's like a minute 30, I think. Well, main thing is I I, I can't really get what it's talking about. Like, what's it marketing? I, I can't tell. Well, you know, I, I, I can't like it's, it needs to be a little more on the nose for me, so to speak. I, yeah. You, yeah what, what is this even selling? Yeah. It's kind of like you don't even know. Yeah. what is yeah, it. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, I just as I was watching that and I was like. Damn, like, can you get any more obvious than that? Like, I mean, that, like, it, it, and it's like, if you were just think if you were dating a young lady for the first time and you're sitting watching that thing, like, how uncomfortable you both would be <laughs> just sitting, like, I'd be like, you know, uh, it'd just be, I don't know. It, and I, I love how it's like the first safe deodorant to put. I was like, safe, geez, like, what makes it, what makes it safer than like other deodorant, right? <laughs> Little on the nose. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Also, the other thing I was thinking was like, imagine if you're her agent, right? And you're like, hey, Cheryl, I got you apart. You're going to be the stinky crotch lady in the Lumi commercial. <laughs> like, can you, can you imagine some of the conversations these agents have with like their oh, talent? Man. Like if you, if you were... If you were cast in the human centipede <laughs> and you were the caboose, like you're okay, we got you apart. Um, it's it's not Fast and Furious Nine, but uh, it's a it's an indie film, you know. But <laughs> and then you as the star are going to that's on your resume. Like, oh, I was the caboose on Human Centipede. <laughs> Damn, dude. <laughs> Well, I thought we'd start off with some good film because, yeah, because uh, oh, yeah. yeah, Jackson's brought us some pretty sweet film here today too. <laughs> yeah, right? I don't know how you follow that. Yeah, Lumi, Lumi bit. and Lumi, I, Lumi bits is a sponsor, by the way. I yeah, I have set the bar rather high yeah. for today. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So yeah, so we'll uh, we'll get into that. So <laughs> cool. Well, yeah. So uh, Jeff, you want to introduce our guest today? Yeah. This is uh, Mr. Jackson Dunley. Uh, Are you so, hot, bro? 
Am I sweating pretty bad? Yeah, I feel you're like I'm sweating. sweating. Well, is it just you were hurrying? <laughs> yeah, I got <laughs> done at the gym too. Oh, but, okay, that's yeah. what it is. Oh, you yeah. were put some Lumi on before you came. <laughs> <laughs> you tell me. <laughs> yeah, so I thought you'd be an interesting guest to bring on because you you uh, you have two very interesting career paths that are now intersecting. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, well, it's there. You have, is it called a police officer constable, or what's the what? Uh, what is your exact title in addition to a a soon to be alpha intern? Right. So we're called deputy constables. Um, so basically, we're we're sworn uh, deputies, but we're constables. So what we do is we don't do like the road stuff. Um, like I was on the road previously for nine months, but what we do is courts. We do evictions, warrants. We kind of do the in-house stuff that not a lot of people know about um, that needs to happen. It's kind of a way to describe it is kind of when someone's arrested or something like that, it's kind of the end, the ending of it. And that's kind of what we're there for. And we also protect judges and stuff like that. So that's kind of protect like in, in court or like getting like to and from, what do you mean protect judges in court, in court? Um, we, so we run about there's, I'm up here in the North section. So we run about four courts. So we're protecting, Judges, prosecutors, judges, clerks. Um, is that is that a similar to like a bailiff? Yeah, yeah. So a constable does do bailiff duties. Um, there's kind of a lot that a constable kind of kind of throws around. Like we're bailiffs. We also can do uh, evictions. There's also a part of the company that does security. So if mm-hmm. we want to just get easy overtime, we'll do that. Um, Constable sounds like something out of like the Sherlock Holmes days. <laughs> it sounds British. Yeah, it is. Do you ever uh, do you ever serve people? Uh, so you can like on the dance floor. Oh, I mean, <laughs> I do so moves. If you like serve them and then serve them, you're like a, a really good dancer. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, that's that. Oh, because you know, like sometimes, like you have to trick people into serving them, right? Like you've ever seen. Oh, yeah, I don't yeah. know if that's really how it works, yeah. but sometimes you like if they're like, oh, I don't, I never got, I never got served. Like we so, got you a part on a Lume Bits commercial, right? Oh, yeah. So, but no, 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 like. This is how I picture it. God. Dude, that's a good movie. Like you're, you're well, maybe it's just a part movie, I guess. But if you like were really good dancer, right? Street performer dancer. Oh, yeah. And you do, you just got the attention of somebody and, you know, you dance in front of them and then they're asking for like, and then you put your hand out for a tip and then they give you a tip and then you serve them at the same time. <laughs> you know, you've been served twice. <laughs> Thanks yeah. for the tip, son. <laughs> so is that what you did? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if it's what I did, but yeah. I don't know everybody. Yeah. Yeah. If if I uh, if I was a constable, that's what I'd do, and then I'd get fired in the next day, especially because I'm not a good dancer. No, so like, uh, I mean, this is an interesting time to be a cop. It is, uh-huh. you know. It's uh, and there's a, you know, I, I'll actually talk about the intersection between uh, policing and mental health treatment a bit here. But like, again, this is a, I have a lot of friends that are police officers and, uh, some of them are, they've, they've worked their way up the chain a bit. Mm -hmm. And then I have some that have gone on the way out that have retired recently saying that this today's modern day, I guess, feel like society's feel towards police officers is so unfriendly and rough and vicious that they got out of it. And I've talked to some people, um, again, just friends of mine that say like, you know, my, like this one buddy of mine, I'll, I'll leave his name out, but he says, you know, 
he goes, my nephew, of you know, he's been wanting to be a police officer all along. I wanted to follow in my footsteps. And now I'm telling him, uh-uh, go a different direction. It's mm-hmm. not for, and so you're, you're like going the other direction. You stepped into it. What's, what got you into wanting to be a police officer? If you don't stop touching that mic, I'm going to kill you. I can't do this. <laughs> do you know how much noise that's making right now? Oh, I guarantee it is. Listeners, you can't hear it in I your headphones. <laughs> But I promise you, <laughs> you're killing me. Mace is feedback. touching my microphone. Yeah. <laughs> Just watch YouTube videos. Yeah. Not true. No, absolutely. Yeah. No, absolutely. So I, I always wanted to be a therapist. That was my goal. So, you know, after I got my, when I was getting my bachelor's, the marshals actually came in and talked because I was minoring in criminal justice. And I always loved criminal justice. And then one one day I just wanted to do both. So I chose to, instead of, you know, I took a year off to pursue law enforcement and stuff like that. Um, so I pursued it, got there. I was super interested in it, not only because a uh, big group, you know, Black Lives Matter, right? A lot of people, I kind of want to be kind of a beacon of light for my, for my culture and kind of show them that cops aren't all that bad, right? There's, there's not a there's, there can be some bad cops out there. There can be some good cops, but just kind of show them that hey, I'm here for you. I want to try to help you. I want to try to show you that, you know, it's law enforcement itself is we're here for you. You know, I don't, I don't want them to be against, against us. And in Utah, there's not a lot of, you know, African-American cops. There's, I think. You don't say. (laughs) (laughs) Right, right. I think there's three of us in uh, Weber County. And when I was on patrol, there was only two of us mm-hmm. uh clinton and and clearfield that, that was that was about it um so i kind of wanted just to and then sorry jumping back to my birth family um and my birth dad's side uh, the first african-american cop for minneapolis is related to my family but i oh, didn't wow. know that i knew that after i joined and then kind of found my birth dad's side and then it kind of told me that you know policing kind of runs in the family and i didn't know that so that could be another reason why I wanted to get into it. Yeah, it's just kind of in the genes. And the so genes. yeah, so it's a a lot of a lot of cops. There, they're like dads was cops, grandpa was cops. So, so um, and that that's so there's kind of a, a family birthright you could say to that. But then also the reasons that you were getting into it sound like pretty benevolent and good mm-hmm. for in the first place. I remember sure. I once upon a time thought about becoming a cop. And it was right after I watched Training Day, and I was like, "Hell yeah!" <laughs> you were wanting to be like Denzel's character. All the wrong you. reasons. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. hey, that's what's being a cop yeah, is like. Yeah, Sign me up, dude. No, absolutely. <laughs> like the worst reasons <laughs> <Yeah>. ever. <laughs> Jackson's like, yeah. I want to help people. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I want to get involved in the drug gang. <laughs> yeah, I want to rob drug dealers, <laughs> yeah. shoot people at will. That sounds great, <laughs> dude. So what year? So you're talking about. You know, with a uh, Black Lives Matter and kind of their position on policing and you wanting to maybe uh, create like a, maybe a, a, an opposite talking point for your culture. Like right. wh- what year? So, I mean, the, the George Floyd stuff kicked off um, May of 2020. What When did you when did you get into policing? Uh, I started Academy May. I mean, June of 2021. Oh, so you like cannonballed right into the deep end. I so did. okay, it, I was wondering if you joined maybe slightly before everything really hit a fevered temper temperature. But you, it was you were right yeah, in the middle of it. Right. What's the reception been among just people you know, other black people? What what's uh-huh. it been like? I think it's been like when I was on patrol. Sometimes I could, like, since I was only you know black 
black cop in the department, I would pull people over and then sometimes they'll get like a shocked face because they haven't seen, you know, a black officer before. Like I was only second since 1977 for a clear field. So I was only second one. Really? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I would, mm-hmm. That seems weird. 1977. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Okay. So shocked. Okay. Yeah. All right. So people were shocked. Um, when I was on accidents, so, you know, I seen some people on the same <clears> culture, you know, shake their head. Like, what am I doing? Stuff like that. But the real yeah. reason is I'm trying to help make people of color feel more comfortable because, you know, some people get pulled over who are a person of color, um, could be by a white a white cop and then they automatically fear them they automatically are like and that's just sometimes it's just how you're raised right some some people of color who are raised a certain way they're more nervous and i just kind of wanted to you know when i'm doing traffic stops kind of break down that nervous nervousness and mm-hmm. say hey i'm here for you and then also i have the social work value so i kind of do something I'm, I'm here to educate you you know i'd rather educate someone than you know give them a citation, make their life. I mean, if they deserve it, they're going to get a citation, right? Sure. Um, but just educating them is kind of why I wanted to get in. Education is yeah. big. Those are mm-hmm. two fields that seem like oil and water sometimes, though, mm-hmm. yeah. I think. Like, I mean, yeah. uh, I don't know. If you, I mean, you'll have some opportunities to see how Jeff and I interact with officers. Right. And, and um, I don't know, it takes a good month or two for them to start, like, coming around to us you know but usually we're pretty friendly you know you mean they greet us with a little bit of suspicion like we're like we're hug a thugs oh yeah yeah (laughs) for sure at first we're like scum of the earth we're like lower than the clients Uh, like these bleeding heart (laughs) (laughs) um but then then we come around and it's uh and it's nice um but they i i don't i i think uh we've noticed we've noticed at least um in with some of the um, interns and then mm. therapists that we work with that when they do work within an institution, they do work with work with officers, they can't reconcile the differences. Like we, it, it, it is a needle you have to, or that you have to thread kind of carefully because I don't know, we, we will see like a, an example mm-hmm. I look at is sometimes when uh, inmates were being, you know, quote unquote mistreated by officers, you know, sure. um, and I don't know. I wasn't, you know, and, and I, what I've re- realized is they just have a different relationship and, you know, therapists would like call them out on that. This is an injustice. We need to make it. I'm like, dude, you're not going to change anything. Like who are you going to go talk to? Yeah. Who are you going to go talk to? Yeah. And then, and then we would try to say, Hey, you can do that, but it's not going to change anything. You're part of the problem. I'm like, no, it, it's just like, it, you got to one thing at a time, you know, like, Absolutely. yeah. And, uh, it, it would lead to a lot of conflict. And then I don't know. People just said, well, I, I will not stand for this. And they'd leave. I'm like, okay, well, see, I'll see you later. It is, so is definitely a, um, that's not a, uh, very compatible field. So that's, mm-hmm. that's cool that, that you wanted to meld those two things together. And I think right. that's right. Like, I don't see why, even a lot of the strategies that we uh, train officers on mm-hmm. are just doing things like that to to kind of ease that, you know, and Absolutely. Um, make Absolutely. it so it's not so harsh. No, definitely. Definitely. And I think that's that's a huge thing. I always say my biggest weapon is not my gun. It's my mouth. Right. So, so just learning different tactics, even from therapists or even will make the you know, law enforcement and social work kind of mesh. But you're right. There is kind of. It can be conflicting at times, and I'm 
trying to find a way to mold that together where it can actually kind of work as a team mm-hmm. is kind of the goal mm-hmm. but it, it is hard and it's going to take steps and progress to make it there but yeah that, that yeah absolutely and it will actually just one quick word on the weird little marriage between corrections and and mental health so i i started in this oh thank you thank god um got my dog guy yeah. uh, gotta keep his yeah, hands busy. yeah yeah i wasn't i was off i was feeling off i didn't know what it was so i i uh started up at northern utah community correctional center mm-hmm. you'll hear it called nuke i don't know if you've heard of nuke or what, know what that is halfway house in ogden okay yeah i started there in 2005 as an intern and mm-hmm. it it was contentious. Like, so they'd have treatment team, which was the the therapists and then the correctional officers. Right. And you know, we'd we'd meet around a table and discuss the the residents of the of the program. Mm-hmm. And it it always felt like the client was on the operating table and you know, the mental health team were the doctors trying to like resuscitate the dude to keep him from getting rolled up and sent back. And then the officers were on the other side, like stabbing him, you know? And so it's like, we're, it's, it's, if it, yeah, stabbing him. It, so it had that vibe to it. And just like over time, I have to hand it to APMP. Like they have really uh, made a big turnaround on understanding mental health and, and, it feels a lot more collaborative now. Now I feel like it used to be that as a therapist, maybe we were 5% of a decision on clients in our own program. And now wow. they give us 80% a lot of times, unless they straight up break the law. And it's, it's been because I think we have, we have some good people in the right spots mm-hmm. that know how to talk to officers. Right. They know how to talk to the residents, the clients, and they can, they can, hold relationships with both people. And I kind of see you as like in a unique position to take up both mantles Mm -hmm. because that's literally what you're doing. Right. And it's a, you know, a minute ago I was asking about the reception and how it's been received. And it said like, you know, you've been greeted with some suspicion a little bit, but like the, the idea is for you to, be there to interact with people for, I guess, people in your own community to be able to see that, you know, that they're, well, I don't know, like what, what, what is it that you hope that people, and I guess specifically black people mm-hmm. get from being able to interact with you as a police officer? Um, I just hope that the sense of, of fear and there's people in who are trying to make it better. We're trying to make it better. And then there's people around that are trying to make it better. Cause I mean, a lot of like, I'm the, I don't know if I'm the first black person at the courts possibly, but just kind of trying to bring diversity, trying to um, make conversation show. Even sometimes I, I'll be like, Hey, uh, maybe, talk to them more, maybe find out kind of where they're from, kind of find their background, um, just kind of make it more interactive instead of, yeah, I only want to talk to you. I don't want to talk to them because of skin color, right? Just kind of make it more interactive with everyone. It's kind of what I'm trying to push for. And as I'm working in the courts and stuff, uh, I'm seeing a lot more, there's a lot more, I, I would say Ogden is more diverse. So 
there's been times where that's been happening and people are having conversations and I just love seeing their reactions. Um, and there's not as a lot of fear. I don't, I don't think when people deal with law enforcement, they should feel that there's fear. They should feel like, you know, okay, he's here to help me. They're here to help me. She's here to help me mm -hmm. um, type of deal. So that's another <clears throat> big thing that I kind of hope to see. And it's not just the constables. It has to be everywhere else that want to do that. But everywhere else doesn't always have an African-American or a Hispanic, mm -hmm. right? So maybe it's just taking some ideas or kind of noticing how people are doing things or watching how I do things to kind of help out with other departments in that way. Dude, I mean, best case scenario. So if you're the... You're the second black guy since 77 or whatever you said in Clearfield, uh, wild. Like, I mean, maybe, maybe if like some, you know, teenage kid sees you and sees that you're not just steady hauling everybody off the gel or beating them up and that, maybe that inspires somebody. And then, you know, they'll, the, the third, fourth, fifth, sixth and seventh black guys that join the force will maybe come in the next few years, not three more decades. Right. Well, to right. like, also, like you said something earlier that I thought was that I think a lot of people miss. Um, so it's, it's easy, you know, you'll see, um, uh, do you ever watch, uh, any like YouTube videos, like police activity or don't operate or anything like that? I heard a Dota operator. Oh, yeah. Police activity, <laughs> police activity. Those are just people getting shot. Jeff and I watch them all the time. So, and, and, uh, the simple answer to a lot of these, uh, is, well, why didn't you just comply? Right. And, and, and I was yeah. like, Okay, well, yeah, of of course. Why don't you just comply? That's mm -hmm. um, the one thing I would say though is what you were saying earlier is like, well, if you were raised a certain way your mm -hmm. entire life, and that was reinforced over and over and over again, Absolutely. and then you know you just had the instance, and I mean, think about that. Like, I've I've never been pulled over ever. I've been pulled over a few times, but mm -hmm. I've never been pulled over and thought, oh, I'm going to get killed. You know what I mean? Never has that gone right. through my head. Right. So I, I I've never been worried or acting as if I was going to get killed. Now, if I thought I was going to get killed, I'd react in a completely different way. And so I think sometimes it gets like short sighted to just say, well, why don't you just comply? Well, well yeah, but if I thought I was going to get killed, I wasn't, I'm not going to comply with you either though. Like, because I'm, I want to live. So I'm going to behave in a way that looks like it's erratic. And then, yeah, these, these become, you know, justified shootings of course at times because, but it's unfortunate because I, I mean, of course I don't want the, the officer to, I don't want anybody to die, but I don't want the officer to die, but it's like, damn, like, could something have been done in the meantime mm -hmm. to prevent that from happening? Mm -hmm. And yeah, something like that sounds like a good cause for, for kind of getting, I guess, bridging that gap as far as those things go, Absolutely. because it's not going to be, I mean, it would be Yeah. I just think it, it, uh, the, the narrative going through your head and it's like, Oh, like you said, people give you another look or something mm -hmm. like a second look. It's like, okay, that narrative is broken right. and then you can make some inroads. And like you were saying that can help them, well, yeah, maybe not all officers are dicks, you know, or, or, you know, stuff like that, which we, I mean, of course some are, but some therapists suck. Most therapists <laughs> suck. Okay. But like, uh, except for the ones we hire. Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. 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 <laughs> and I mean, suck, not like their yeah. skills. I'm saying just yeah. Well, never mind. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> that was my, my, uh, horrible attempt at just talking shit on my yeah. own kind. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, I, I'd say, yeah, there's, there's assholes everywhere. You know what I mean? In any profession, you're going to run into them, but it's nice, uh, for a lot of the clients we work to work with, 
that for them to know, yeah, not all of them are like that. Mm-hmm. And, and not everybody has to be that way. And then, you know, that way the next interaction doesn't have to be that, you know, critical to the point where it turns into something that's ending somebody's life. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. totally. Mm-hmm. So, um, before we, I guess, get on to the mental health aspect and mm-hmm. some of the, the wild stuff you have to do. Um, like I just wanted to make sure that if you, if you, is there anything else you want to say, even on your motivation for signing up or kind of the cultural reasons or creating uh-huh. a new narrative? Hmm. Let's see here. Oh, I've, I've just always, you know, been interested in it. And even though I'm not, I'm not necessarily on the road, I hope sometime I hope to be on the road in some type of way again, but just, you know, just help more people out really. I just love both and hope to combine both to kind of do something that not many people have done before. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it, it's, it's pretty unique, man. It, because the the other piece, and <clears throat> what initially made me think that you'd be a good guest is, you know, it, well, I'm repeating this for the sake of the listeners, but you were at our CBISO training and got to talking and you said you had a podcast. So sure enough, I listened to it. Um, what's it called real quick for listeners? Your podcast. Uh, so the podcast is called my life as an adoptee slash underdog and it's on Spotify. Um, pretty easy to find. It nice. Is. Yeah. And so I first that, episode, that'll be I listened in the, to, uh, the, the show notes too. I'll put a link to it. Oh, good idea. Perfect. Perfect. So I've listened to a few episodes and, you know, I listened to the one about you going through the training academy that, that I mean, any stories you have from that might be fun. That, that was a, that was a fun episode to listen to, but the one that particularly caught my mind was, uh, this the this call you got on with somebody that was uh, suicidal and you you had to go into both cop mode and uh, therapist mode. Oh yeah. And uh, and look like that is a highly unique skill. Earlier you said that your best weapon's your mouth and like you I mean yeah your ability to like talk people down but like you naturally you you have a very calming voice like during the training we were talking about how good you would be at that progressive muscle relaxation oh, yeah. training you got yeah like <laughs> people you, sleep. you got a fo- voice for radio man but but uh there's this idea that you know and i guess they have these mcat i think they're called mcat teams mcat mcat thank yep. you mm-hmm. um and the idea is that a you know a therapist goes out on a call, I believe with, with police officers to, to try to, you know, ply our trade and deescalate people that the police officer in there, I guess, somewhat let like more, I guess, more limited than a therapist in deescalation. You know, it's kind of like we can try to intervene before, you know, cops have to get involved and go to their belt and things get nasty. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I'm, I'm pretty decent at calming people down and talking people down and, and everything. It's just, I, I feel wholly unqualified to go out to like a domestic disturbance and, you know, talk, (laughs) talk down some dude that's, you know, 12 bears deep and is got a knife to his wife's throat or something. I don't know. Like what just, we'll get into your video in a minute, but Mm -hmm. can you, can you just speak to like, is that intersection possible between for like therapists to go out on these calls or I, I don't know how to conceptualize that. Um, I would say, I would say, you know, the MCOT team is, a, it's an amazing thing. And that's, that's, that's kind of the, that's kind of the difference, right? Like therapists are, are there to kind of help out and kind of assess the situation, see what they can do the most. And sometimes 
if it's like like you said that situation with 12 beers down knife to knife to the head yeah that's that's probably not going to be talked down right that's probably going to be now the law enforcement side got to call the SWAT team and all that good jazz and maybe you got to take him out right so but having that therapist there to kind of you're showing you want you want to do everything that you can possibly do for that person right before taking a life of anybody Mm -hmm. that's the kind of that's kind of what i learned from law enforcement do everything you possibly can that you're able to before you know if you have to take a life you have to take a life or um if eventually he drops the knife he eventually drops the knife um but i think it's it's pretty cool as well because as a therapist all, all police officers have well on the road pink sheets mm-hmm. but that's the only sheet that they have explain so, what that is so pink sheet is when you think a person is uh mentally ill can't take is a danger to themselves mm-hmm. or a danger to others you can they're automatically taken to the hospital and held there and for a social worker to come and talk to them and they can't get out of a pink sheet once you choose choose to pink sheet them if they are not compliant then they're going to get detained and they're going to be brought to the hospital no matter what because the officer thinks that they're a danger to themselves. Now the MCOT team, they also have white sheets and blue sheets, I believe. And a white sheet, I believe they can tell the doctor, yeah, I want him here for up to a month mm-hmm. um, with a white sheet, but it has, but cops don't have that. The therapists have that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I forgot the blue sheet. I think yeah, the blue days. sheet is what we do. Yeah, yeah we seven, can, yeah. we can, it, it's not really for a designated amount of time. It's usually until they get um, I mean, stabilized. It, it, the when we do them, we're mm-hmm. mostly doing them at the jail, gotcha. and they have to be in a pretty bad way. Yeah. Like a pink sheet. I like pink sheets because the threshold is low. Mm-hmm. Like as as a blue sheet, like on our end, we have to reach a, a pretty high threshold of making sure that this person has a diagnosed mental illness that their level of care, it, it, you can't treat them in a, you know, least restrictive setting right. there. They do pose a significant and grave risk to themselves or others. Um, and that they can't receive it. It's so many bars, but like is on the, on the officer's end, it's like pretty easy. Like, yeah. you know, you just have to kind of do one of those things. Cause mm-hmm. I, cause I, so the therapist, when you're working with the MCOT team, obviously in certain circumstances, you know, they're it's probably not appropriate for them to be there but i they don't just get in the way i mean like i always thought therapists god what what we have but that's what i would have thought right (laughs) they they actually do help like in a lot of the situations then Uh, i think so i mean i only when i was on with clearfield i only called mcot team once Uh um but by the time my shift was kind of over and we just decided to pink sheet pink sheet them because the response time also you have to understand that they're coming from wherever they live, their own call, right? Is yeah. that how that works? I believe so. Okay. Yeah. Do they have like an MCOP mobile? <laughs> that's what I'm... <laughs> that's what I'm... That's what MCOP I'm, mobilized. Sure. <laughs> That'd be pretty cool. I'm not I'm not 100% sure. Um, I still want to find more, more information about how yeah. the program runs. But if they didn't, that was kind of one of my ideas, you know, since I... I'm EVO trained to drive a vehicle in Utah. You have to be an emergency vehicle. You Mm. have to be EVO trained. What if the MCOT team had lights and sirens and then I could be the one to kind of take therapists out. But at the same time, it's like you have to kind of work out a deal with post. It's like a Mm -hmm. big, just a big idea that I have that I'm brainstorming to kind of do. 
part time or something. I'll bet like they'd that. like that. Mm-hmm. They just roll up in their Yaris and they're like, I'm here. <laughs> yeah, Because yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I was listening to um I was listening to Rogan's podcast and he was um there was a story, I can't remember the name of the of the guy, but um you you probably recognize it when I tell you. So the, he was at like a he was at a Wendy's drive through and he was in, he was passed out, so he's intoxicated, right? And then the police officers attempted to um wake him up obviously and then he was going to go to jail um and then as a result of that i think there was a struggle he tried to steal the police officer's taser and they shot him right and he's mm-hmm. and he died mm-hmm. and joe rogan's like well why don't you just send a social worker there i'm like me i remember that you want to send me to that dude i'd screw that up more than anything like i'm a, i i i i but so certain situations yeah but there is also on, and I know you know which one I'm talking about. It was a police activity video where this guy got shot. He was, he was a guy, lived with his mom, and uh, the officer she she oh, came to the oh house God. and yeah, like that. really uh-huh. it escalated it unnecessarily. Like there's a lot of those situations where, yes, the guy it was a justified shooting. The guy did pose a a, a threat to the officer's life, and mm-hmm. you know. And they did shoot him, but then I was like, "Yeah, but it, I don't feel. I feel like if I was in it, I could have talked him down, and it didn't need to go there. You know what I mean? Pride got in the way. Yeah, she, yeah. She Just a, a few little, little tiny. Th- oh, she shot the mom too. Remember yep. that? Like, cause she missed and shot yeah. the mom and him. And have you seen this video? Do you know the one we're talking about? I don't think I've seen okay. that one. Yeah, that. So you like so M. I mean, I mean Monday morning quarterbacking is always fun and convenient for us, but like. <laughs> I I would think that the MCOT would maybe be equipped to deal with something like that particular situation, mm-hmm. you know, it, cause yeah, it, the, the guy was being defiant. He wasn't cuffing up, but like, if I remember the situation correctly, I could have waited for backup, mm-hmm. you know, are you finding it? Yeah. Talk okay. Well, I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll see if yeah, I can you, figure it out. No. Yeah. And then you, uh, yeah. Talk through this while, while I'm looking that up. You got it. So, um, earlier you were saying that like you've always wanted to be a therapist and so like the becoming a cop was like a stop along the way right yeah absolutely Mm -hmm. so i mean like the cliche answer to what got into this is i want to help people and that's probably true like what like yeah what like what really has driven you to be a so you you told us what made you want to become a cop what Mm -hmm. what makes you want to become a therapist um just kind of I just think my 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 personality, my talent, uh, the way I can talk to people, the way I can, I, I like I like helping people reach their fullest potential um, on their journey. And everybody has a different journey, right? And just helping somebody find a way to have their success, even though no matter what is barring them down, is kind of a huge thing to why I want to become a therapist. I, I just love listening to other people's stories and kind of helping them reach their full potential. I see that that. So the one areas of your podcast I haven't gotten into yet is the, the, the odd adoptee portion of right. it, mm-hmm. you know, and I, I don't know if it's, I didn't even ask you before the podcast, if you were cool going into that. Oh, so yeah, yeah. No, like it, is there is there something anything along the way to where like a therapist could have been beneficial for you or maybe a therapist was beneficial that you're like damn I want, I want to do that. Hmm. Yeah, also yeah, a big thing is for 
adoptees, right? Uh, you know, one day I want to be able to help other adoptees, like going through a bachelor's, the program and master's program and stuff like that. I noticed that there's not really classes that talk about adoptees that specialize in adoptees. And I kind of did a actually a little project on it. And I found out that there's yearly, there's over 120,000 adoptees yearly. And that's a pretty big uh, portion of our, of our world. But there's no, there's not a lot of therapists that specialize that in adoptees, right? So just being there for adoptees because they go through a lot of mental health issues that people who adopt don't realize that they're going through that. Like I didn't, I didn't know that I was going through stuff that I did and it could have stented from, you know, not having that first connection with your birth mom that a lot of other, with your mom that a lot of other people had um, because, you know, at nine months I was taken put in foster care and then adopted eventually. So you're missing out on that connection, but I, I wanna be there to create more programs to help adoptees as well eventually. So that's another big reason why I got into being coming a therapist you, as well. So you were, okay, so you were adopted at nine months? Yeah. So, and how long were you in foster? Um, so it was kind of a, a unique situation. So the foster care, so my, my mom, my adopted mom, so she, she did foster care, right? So she was doing foster care with foster children. So that's kind of was my, so I was in a house setting for my foster care. And then she decided to adopt me. And oh, okay. So that's kind of how it kind of worked out. Um, so eventually she just out of foster care, just adopted me into her family. Was that, was that the plan or like, did she just, you just, she had a connection with you that, cause like was, that, that makes sense. Cause a lot of times foster, they, 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 foster parents stay foster parents for a while and kids kind of cycle through and everything. Right. And so mm -hmm. your, your foster mom, just boom connection, huh? Yeah, I think, I think so. And that's how I was adopted. Otherwise I, I could have been probably cycled through or because yeah, that's what kind of happens. Dude, I mean, you're mentioning it and you're saying that there's not a lot of therapists specific to adoptees. And right. like, mm -hmm. I'm just kind of recognizing in the moment, like, Oh yeah, you're right. Like I, I don't even know that I've heard of, I'm, and again, me not hearing of something doesn't mean much because right. I'm pretty isolated in this forensic and social work <laughs> area, but, uh -huh. but yeah, it, it's, it's not really something I've heard of. And I would imagine that both for you and then also the, the person that adopts you, mm -hmm. you know, teaching them how to deal with like maybe teaching them about attachment right. and, you know, and the way that attachment works, disinhibited, you know, all those different things. That, oh yeah. Yeah. That, that could be. Yeah, pretty beneficial. So did did any of that have I guess I don't, I don't know how much of a I mean with it with it being part of your podcast, mm -hmm. you know, makes me wonder like that must have been influential in either pushing you towards the mental health or the cop side or both. Oh yeah. So that that pushed me to kind of both sides. Mm -hmm. Um afterwards just trying to help more more people like me because a lot of people are not like there's four things that adoptees struggle with and that's love, trust, um, abandonment. Um, they feel that they can feel like they're alone a lot. Um, and I forgot the fourth one off the top of my head, but that's kind of what all adoptees, um, deal with. Love what and abandonment? Uh, uh, trust, love, trust and abandonment, like yeah. feeling the feeling love from somebody. Um, and that's just goes back to that connection. Um, that you had um, with 
um, or even how you grew up, just depending on the adoptee, right? So I met a lot of adoptees who were going through the same thing. Like I would get, I, I, I talked to a lot of adoptees. There's actually a lot of adoptees in Utah, to be honest. There's mm. quite a bit. And they, they said that they relate to a lot to the podcast and never realized that that could have been a reason. But I didn't learn that until I did uh, six months of therapy with the, um, the lady who specialized in EMDR. And then she wanted to know more about adoptees and took adoptees and then specialized more into that to try to help adoptees. Um, and you never really hear about therapists who specialize in that area. I, yeah, right. I mean, Mace, you've, you've spread your wings a little more in the field with it. We bring human services. Have you, have you, do you know much about therapists specializing in issues specific to adoptees? Cause I hadn't really, that's never really occurred to me. I mean, maybe Still. on the, maybe on the youth side. Yeah, they probably do to some degree, but, uh, not anything, n- nothing in particular. No, doesn't so. stand out. Does it? Mm-mm. Yeah. Mm-mm. So. I tried to find that video, by the way, but I can't. I can find a bunch of people commenting on it, but not the actual video. Not the just because police activity has nothing. It just has the what it is. So we'll skip it for now. Yeah, I mean maybe I watch that's these a, videos anyway. Yeah, good a time as any to jump into this. So, oh, yeah. so it, this is um, so I haven't seen this. Mace hasn't seen this. This is all you narrating us through it, and mm-hmm. Um, so tell us what we're about to watch. And again, you, you, you have to just tell Mace how to navigate and what videos to go to and you're in charge. Sure. So the first video is kind of us kind of approaching the house, right? But before that, we had to kind of come up with the game plan. Mm-hmm. Um, because initially the, um, <clears throat> the other law enforcement agent, because there's a difference between civil and criminal. And this was kind of a civil case at first but when it comes to a barricaded subject now it turns into a criminal right it's a barricaded subject mm-hmm. okay mm-hmm. so essentially he's in his room and he does he have a weapon yeah. so he's in his room all the information we had was he, he's in his room we don't know which room mm-hmm. um he's a military veteran <clears throat> has a load of handgun um that's kind of all the details we had i had a look, oh i had a look up that's all we had right so i had to look up the i did a google earth image of the house kind of make up a quick game game plan because mm-hmm. um, I, I did a search warrant when I was on patrol before and I kind of just used the ideas that I had to you Google earthed it before coming up on the scene mm-hmm. yeah so I Google well <laughs> that's three hours good, three hours before like mm-hmm. we had a three hours to plan and prepare to so at least you knew kind of what was going on so you're like yeah. staging yep st- pretty yeah. much staging awesome. everything yeah. okay. so this this right here is video number one right yeah. this, this is, is video you number one so arriving this is your body cam footage is you arriving on the scene yeah and then we're probably going to be walking towards the house you explain that the sun can't come in uh this is uh another deputy talking right now okay um, and then I think we're just telling the son kind of what we're going to do um, and tell, telling him to stay in his car and don't come in yet. Is the son the veteran's oh, the veteran's son? The veteran's so he son. was there. All their family was there. The main reason he didn't want to leave because oh, it was no his other. house. He's been there his whole life, but he sold it. Like their oh. family sold it and he changed his mind. He didn't want to leave. Oh. oh. So did people try to move in. Yeah. So the did you yeah. know? Did you know this at the time? Like walking. Like, do you have this uh, information? I right did now? not know that. So I got that information once I kind of got there and kind of learned kind of how what we're rolling with, kind of the background story of this, kind of just going like I'm running courts and then all of a sudden we get called for 
yeah, hey, there's an eviction, barricaded subject. Are you guys interested? Sure, yeah, well, let's jump on that. <laughs> Can you say no to that? Yeah, yeah. seriously. <laughs> nah. This is where you and I aren't cut out for this, dude. Yeah. Like, can you imagine rolling up to it? Like, dude, if you said, hey, there's a barricaded subject, like, um, nah. Yeah, he, he, he's cool in there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you're not harming anybody. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Tell those people to wait. Yeah. And honestly, and honestly, we're pretty, we're pretty nervous. So if you just want to stop it right here for a second, yeah. so we're gonna be turning, well, walking towards the house. And all I knew for the layout is that there's two, there's entry, and then there's an exit point in the back side of the house. the The right side was just kind of fence line. The left side had a bunch of windows, but the top one was like an attic with a window. So we didn't know where the veteran was exactly. No one knew. Until oh, wow. okay. until we got into the house and then we kind of cleared and then finally we could hear his voice when we did call outs and stuff. As so you're going in blind. Yeah, it's kind of like a, we call it a shit show. Pretty yeah. Do, do we get to see you like kind of go through the process of clearing it? Yeah, yeah. Okay. You got a vest on, I'd imagine. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, vest on, everything. Um, Dude, this would be scary. You ever watch that movie Rambo Last Blood <laughs> where he sets all those traps for people coming yeah, yeah. in? Imagine you walk in there, it's a Home Alones type thing. And then we just drew our guns here. Oh, uh, we're kind of walking fast because there's the upstairs window. Um, you okay, want him to be able dude, to see. I'd right. be out right here. Like, I, <laughs> like, no way am I going to the house. And then the thing is, all the doors were locked, right? So they gave us a key, the homeowner that got the house sold to them. We have that key. Um, I'm trying to open up the door. Um, the dude changed locks on a lot of the doors. Well, that tree's looking good. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what was that? Deputy Dunley, Provo City Constable. Got a good cop voice, bro. You, yeah, you can. You got a therapist voice and a cop voice. Make yourself known. And then in this situation, um, you. You can pause if you want real yeah. fast. I mean, this situation. So the house is now, now the courts, right? It's now the owners. So really, it's not the dude's house anymore. Uh huh. Um, so, so technically, is he trespassing at this point? Then. So technically, he is. And I was trying not to make myself known, but the other agency was like, "Hey, aren't you going to make myself known?" So I just did it real quick. Um, but initially. I didn't want to because right, I don't know where he is. If he hears me, I just gave up my location. Right, that was my yeah. thinking. But they didn't know the game plan either, so they're kind of like, uh, "Well, they just arrived, right?" So I didn't, I didn't have a lot to say to them. We were kind of just going. I was like, "Here's the quick deal. We're just going to clear this house, go from there, kind of deal." And then okay, some. So initially, if I ever did that again, I would not make myself known. In okay, because it's not his house anymore. Well, because, yeah, usually uh, I always like those courtesy knocks where they're like, sheriff's office, and they barricade it open. Yeah. I'm like, what if I was going to answer? Yeah. Like, <laughs> Just standing in the door, you get blasted. Jesus. Yeah. 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 Deputy Constable, make yourself known while we're coming in. Yeah, the key Flip for it, huh? Right. No barricade needed. And then, nope. And then apparently the key didn't work. Oh, um, nice. As you can tell. Did you guys end up having to kick it in? Nope. We just went around to the back to check the other door. If so, you left the back open? Uh, that was that, that. He didn't fix that lock. Okay. So the, oh. so the rest of this video is just you guys getting into the house, yeah? Right, right. Pretty okay. much. So if you, you can skip through okay. a little bit okay. and kind of see it clearing if you want or go to the next one. So here's where you were... 
coming up on the doors. Um, mm -hmm. Is this where you're actually having a conversation with the guy? Yeah, so I'm actually having a conversation. So basically what I'm trying to do is on his mind, it's we call the OODA loop in law enforcement. Yeah. Have you guys mm -hmm. heard of that? Mm -hmm. So basically you just want to kind of throw his mind off and shit. This is my first barricade subject. So I'm like, all right, I'm just going to talk to this dude and see, so, so, just have a conversation. OODA loop. Let me see how I do. Observe, orient, decide, act. Uh, something, sound right? something like that. I think I'm right. Right. So like the idea is like, the, but the OODA loop is like the process anybody goes to when something goes down. So it's like if, if someone bursts through this door with an ax, like first I have to see like, oh, there's a guy with an ax. Then mm -hmm. I, that's the observe. Mm -hmm. Then I have to orient to it like, damn that okay this is a deadly threat yeah, yeah then decide do i close the distance and take him down do i throw mace in front of me so he hits mace mm -hmm. and then act is when i make that decision exactly. but before i get to act that process it slows me down and Wait, so where's the loop part uh yeah where's the so, loop part so i can explain is that an so acronym yeah yeah so it so, stops at ooda so the loop part <laughs> so the loop yeah, part is, the loop? is uh when you're actually talking to a person right mm -hmm. so they're they're thinking of right they're thinking you know, he was just thinking, you know, I'm getting my life, yada, yada. But saying something that stops that thought process is kind of the loop. So saying, oh, I'm going to talk about dogs. Like, I'm pretty sure we talked about dogs. We talked about video games. Oh, just kind of getting his mind off. Kind of huh? Got you. So that's okay. kind of the loop. But Thank you're you. right. The OODA, loop, the OODA, what you're kind of explaining, that's, that's that. But when you're dealing with somebody, you try to stop their thinking. Okay. In a way. But in that case. It's like distraction techniques kind of. Right. Okay. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. And then you can. What if you had to, what if, you know, since this, this, the homeowners now, they're going to do something else with it, but there's other places that you can stay. You know that, right? Yeah, there is. I can help you with that. And he's probably saying, no, there's right. no places. I just want to kill myself. I'm stuff. telling you, I can get you the resources that you need and point you in the right direction. So that's what he's saying. Yeah, can't hear, okay. yeah, you can't hear, hear him quite. Could you try it? Because he's uh, across the hall in his room, locked his door. And I, and I understand that. And we actually had to pick But unfortunately, this due to the homeowners, you can't. And there's other places that you can go. And then I'm trying to use a voice that's... What was that? Yeah, you sound yeah. nice. Sound yeah, nice. Definitely, it's definitely not like when when you were knocking on the door, oh, right? No, no. Yeah, this is definitely um, much more of hey, I'm I'm looking out for for you. We can we can get this taken. We can care discuss. Of. Maybe we can discuss that outside. In the meantime, I notice you're not standing right in front of the door. Right. So that's yeah. a safety thing. Yeah. So it's okay, we can open the door. And then the other deputy, he's kind of at a side angle. Okay. Why so do you want to stay shoot, out? I'm just trying to help you. Straight. It's not going to hit either of us. Because uh, that, that door wouldn't do much to stop around, would it? No, yeah. no. Mm -mm. Oh, you're trying the lock. Yep, I'm trying to. <laughs> oh, oh. But he changed that lock. So eventually we switched sides. And Dude. He, he actually picked it. So he was able to crack the door open more so we can hear better. Isn't that the deadliest part when you're going through a threshold like this? Yes. Fatal yes. funnel, right? Yep, yep. Mm -hmm. And this was a tight space. And we found out what what the stuff he's standing in right now is the attic, the front window. So can, I, can I give you the resources that you can help? There, let's, so. let's, can we talk one-on-one, -on -one, man to man? Yeah, trying to get a relationship with them. Right, right. Yeah, mm -hmm. I got you. Mm -hmm. and, I, and I understand your frustration. 
Dude, empathy. this just this just seems this just seems scary. You know what I mean? It, it can be. I know you lived a hard life. The angle. I'm, I'm just thinking about angle, this whatever way. it's gonna be. Yeah. I see relationship building. I I see like yeah, kind of the rapport strengthening. I see using empathy, trying to trying to show him that you understand. I, I've seen all those techniques so far. Yeah, for the listeners, if you if it? you want to uh, see this, just go to our YouTube page and you can see okay. it a lot better. Can I get you the help that you need? Well, it seems like you you do because. I understand that it's hard for you to admit, but it seems like you're going through a lot. And then this veteran, as I kind of got to talk to him more, he was going through medical issues. So he pretty much was like, I only have two years to live anyways. And I want to die here because the house meant so much to him because he's lived there his whole life. You know, when he came back on tours, he was there. He just changed his mind. He sold it already, but he changed his mind mm -hmm. afterwards. And, mm -hmm. you know, he could have PTSD, but... The main thing it was that he kept on saying was, I got two years anyways, two years left. I'm going to die anyways. So I'd rather die here happy and stuff like that. So yeah. it's kind of getting him out of that mindset. Um, and so that's where breaking the OODA loop comes in is he's got this narrative in his head yeah. of I, I want to. I shouldn't have sold the place. I want to die here. I might as well die where I'm happy. And you're trying to jump in before he keeps completing that. That, right, that yeah. thought process. Okay. And then yeah, the, this definitely is a little bit different than like this approach. We can arrange you a place to stay for two months. Way different than like a traditional. To get you going. Than a traditional police officer would definitely. have a conversation. You live the best life. Absolutely. And we didn't want to call SWAT um, until we actually knew that. Yeah, this isn't going to go anywhere. We wanted to give the most time, like I said before, do everything you can before the last second. Like so at, at, at what circumstances um, would, would you just know? Obviously, you don't call SWAT first and no. first and foremost. But like, at what point do you say, okay, we got to call SWAT? Uh, time is a factor. So this whole thing took about three hours. Mm -hmm. So time was another factor. I'm pretty sure. I don't remember the time frame that we had, but uh, we weren't going to stay there all night. We weren't going to do that. And if it was getting to be maybe over four hours, maybe five hours, then <clears throat> a new plan, a new solution had to be it. Mm -hmm. um, but it get, didn't get to that quite, um, which was, which, you know, I was grateful for. But initially when you call SWAT, what they're going to do is they're going to get in there, you know, kick down the door. Like it's not going to, he's either going to probably kill himself or he's going to start shooting. Because none of this would happen no. if SWAT no. was called, right? Like they, they would, they, it's no BS. They just come in they there. They might have a negotiator. Maybe, possibly. Um, I know Maria talks about calling, you know, thinking about calling the MCOT team. But from far as what I know, MCOT team is in Davis County. It hasn't spread out. But calling some type of resource to come here. And I was like, well, I think I can keep talking to him for now. Trying to get him, get his head out of things. And, you know, he laughed once. Mm -hmm. um, that's something that I can which you can't hear on any of the videos, but he laughed, you know, he mm -hmm. was seeming the press out of the suicide talk and stuff like that. But then he'd go kind of right back and then you go back happy again and then go back mm -hmm. go happy again. But when he's doing back and forth, you kind of know, oh, there's a, that's actually progress. Right. It's not actually, mm -hmm. gonna, I don't need the SWAT. I don't need the SWAT yet. So it's you could tell at least kind of at, at this point that, that, he was starting to make some progress to the point where you didn't need to call in SWAT or any other help. You had gained enough of a rapport with him mm -hmm. 
that you could keep moving this forward. Absolutely. And the next video, my, my position might have changed. Should he go to the next video or is there more on this one to see? Um, Kind of more of the same on this one. Yeah, there's each clip's about 10 minutes. Mm -hmm. um, the last video is kind of the ending of it. Um, this one where he kind of. Kind of. So after that, we got two more deputies from the courthouse to come and join us. Mm -hmm. One of them is actually a veteran. Um, and that was kind of the missing. That was kind of the missing puzzle. And is he needed. talking to him in this one? And he's talking to him in this one. Okay. Let's have a... So after talking to him two hours and 45 minutes. really want to do this in front of this him. This is the three-hour point. Oh, wow. You're in for the long haul. Yeah. Staying right here with us. I'm not leaving. And then we kind of... He's not, not leaving without his dad. Is his son involved in this now? Yeah, so now we brought up the... <clears throat> kind of use different tactics, right? So I tried talking to him. I tried everything I could mm -hmm. for you're two poor, hours and thirty minutes. To do that in front of your boy. Um, time kind of flies when you are just talking and talking. Oh. Like I, I, I didn't know it was two hours thirty point. minutes, and then we called them. They showed up. Um, Matt was like, uh, you know, he's a supervisor, and he's mm -hmm. like, well, I'm a veteran. I'm gonna try talking to him. And then the third tactic was the son. We're gonna bring his son up because he doesn't want to hurt his son, right? Why would he? Why would he want to shoot? your own son. I'm here to help you get out. That kind of also helps. You can still be doing as stuff. well. Kind of yeah. changed his mind smart. a little bit as well because now you got the oodle going. Then now you got to bring someone who's similar to him, veteran. Now you bring a loved one in. So yeah. now it's a little bit. Now oh, his mind's so going three different places. Multiple different strategies here. So yeah. who's talking to him right here then? So the right uh -huh. The right side. So that would be this gentleman son. right here. That's his son. That's his son. Yep. And then is the is the officer inside this door? Nope. So no one's inside. So that what you're seeing is going to be a hallway, and then okay. there's another door which oh, okay. he's barricaded himself. Yeah, in. and so do you. And having you out of it's not going to make your life any easier on me. So is the son talking to him right now? Yeah. Okay. He's talking to him right now. Oh, buffer! Come on. It's Bruce, Bruce Buffer, Buffer. Yeah. pressing buttons on the other yeah. end. Dude, Bruce Buffer's always pressing <laughs> buttons. <laughs> See if I can. Oh, come on, dude. Well, of course it does that. I know, right? <laughs> dude. Really want to do. Okay, here we go. And so do you. And having you out of it's not going to make life any easier on me. Damn. No, it won't. Do you have any idea what you do to a child when you commit suicide? you have any clue what your boy will have to live with? He will relive this moment for the rest of his life. The rest of his life, he and no matter what you're going through, no matter how bad it is, do you really want to leave that with your boy? I'm a dad too, Sergeant. And the last thing I ever want to do is leave my kids with this. Now, I understand you're sick and you might not make it, to, make it long. I get it. But don't let this be the last memory your boy has of you. Because this moment right here, Sergeant, that you have complete control over, you will make this the last memory he has of his dad. And then right now we have two guns canted, two deputies to the right side, so no one's in the middle of the door. Come on, just Sergeant, let's just say yes. Let's so just be, in case be any done. Come on out. We'll be able to respond back. Mm -hmm. That's good. That's helpful to know. Damn, dude. No, he's right That's here. Dramatic it's not going to matter if I go back to my car. It, it's still, if it, you're looking at your you, back. I still know. Uh, so that would be the veterans. The 
back right there. And you're not going to jail. You haven't bro broken any laws, okay? Is okay. that is that true? Understand. You walk out. Not true. Okay. You leave with yes. your well, You guys walk so out that front, front that. door so like nothing ever happened. If a person is going to commit suicide, it's not say a whatever. It's not you a crime. Go, go with your son they can commit suicide. They can do yeah. whatever they want. But at the same time, he since it wasn't his house anymore, he was criminal trespassing. But so we're not going to try to bring that up, right? Mm -hmm. We're not going to be like, oh yeah. Otherwise, we're just going to go back to where we started. So we're not going to bring up any criminal trespass, or we're just yeah. trying to get him to get him out of the get him out of that, get him out of there. Go in custody. You you're going to spend some time in jail, and I don't want that. I just want you to walk out the door with Hunter and go enjoy what last little time you have together left. Whoa. Come on, Sergeant. I like calling him by his rank. Yeah. Give him that respect. Yeah. Exactly. And that that yeah, was a piece of the puzzle. I'd never think Please. think to do that. You know what I mean? I don't want to mm -hmm. see it like this. You remember Hunter when he was, when he he was like a little. So does does he does he uh. Does he he eventually just uh, surrenders? Yeah. Yes, um, but we kind of did. It was a kind of interesting tactic. I didn't see that was coming, but we were we were prepared for it. Um, he kind of was like, "All right, your son and I are gonna walk forward." We knew that he was, his mindset was kind of going down now. Like mm -hmm. his son's there, so he's more emotional for his son, mm -hmm. saying, "I love you, son." He's kind of having more of a conversation with his his son more. Um, so. We knew he was kind of coming out of it, but the main factor was, all right, your son and I are walking forward and we're going to come forward. And after that, after they walked forward, he, he opened the door and he's like, all right. Oh, okay. So the, so the, you guys just made the executive decision that so we're moving forward, forward and whether you like it or not, right. this is what's going to happen. That oh, okay. had to have been a scary moment because you're, you're putting moment. a lot of trust in your ability to deduce that he's in a different state of mind. Right. right. Wow. Mm -hmm. And after hearing kind of his tone and what he was saying, um, he, he already told us a lot of times, I'm not going to do anything to my son. I'll never do anything. So that was kind of why we were like, all right, well, your son and I are moving forward. And before that, he's like, no, no, no. And then he's like, okay. And then we kind of just, they kind of just moved forward and then we all followed through mm -hmm. after that. And he, he already put the, he's already opened the gun. He put the handgun on the windowsill or something like that. You could see that he surrendered his gun before. Uh, we couldn't see cause the door was closed, but he said, all right, I'm putting my gun away. Um, you guys can come in. Um, and then we took the gun, unloaded it, took the chamber out and then he collected his stuff and, you're like yeah, I'm, we're proud of the decision we made we never we never made him feel bad for what he was doing right mm -hmm. we we're like we're proud of the decision you made you chose to you know live your life the best that you can instead of you know taking her instead mm -hmm. of having us call SWAT and maybe he would have ended his life or maybe he, SWAT would end his life or something would have happened yeah because that would have been I mean relatively easy to escalate oh, to the point oh, yeah. you know where mm -hmm. so it's kind of i mean that that's that's kind of nice to know 
that I mean, I, I don't know, heaven forbid any of our loved ones would ever be in a position where, you know, they'd be in something like that. Absolutely. It would be nice, though, if they had a guy like you trying to talk to them mm-hmm. and at least initiate that conversation rather than, you know, like, I, I, I don't know. I just see even some of these videos, you know, you'll see him was like, drop the gun, I'm gonna take you down, drop the gun, drop the gun, boom, 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 boom. I'm like, geez, like uh, yeah. two seconds, dude, you know? Yep, yep. And so, like, sometimes there's like no no de-escalation attempts or anything and you guys i mean that was a solid three hours that you guys spent on on helping hours. that dude out which i mean, probably saved his life i'm it sure did. right yeah and the, yeah the whole time time was pressing and um the other law enforcement agency was like because we're a private law enforcement agency <clears> they're like well time's running out um we're we want to call SWAT. And we were saying no mm-hmm. don't call we're not calling SWAT yet we we said we're gonna keep doing this we're gonna keep pressing but there would have been a point a time where you know we it would have eventually it would eventually just handed mm-hmm. it over and that would have been it and maybe somebody with a more um i guess traditional law enforcement mentality without kind of that that social work flavor to it mm-hmm. would have called SWAT probably two hours prior mm-hmm. right like they would have said okay screw this potentially right. ended horribly Right. Well, Absolutely. it almost definitely would have ended horribly. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Well, there at least there was a stronger likelihood of it end, ending horribly than not, right? At that point. Man, dude, I, I think of what you and I do at the jail, uh, talking to clients that are suicidal. And that mm-hmm. that already feels like some pretty high stakes stuff and trying to decide if someone's suicidal or not. And then I'm, we have the luxury of having like, the clients are most certainly unarmed Mm -hmm. and there are officers everywhere. We're, we're very safe. And so usually talk to them through a cuff port, through a cuff port. Our, our adrenaline is not actuated. We're like, it's as safe as it can be. And it already feels high stakes. Now I'm trying to imagine having those types of conversations through a door, knowing he's got a gun and he might be a threat to me or himself. And it just adds, I don't know, it, that's a, that's impressive what you guys did, man. That That's a whole extra level of, well, I mean, like training is cliche to say, but I mean, it's got to be training plus something innate in you. Mm-hmm. And I mean, all the officers did good. Well, it comes, it comes down to um, like, because we will... Uh, like when we train therapists, sometimes we'll, we'll go through this and, and you saw some of this during our training. Mm-hmm. Um, I try to, I try to nip it like before we get there, like I'll, I'll tell them, Hey, uh, you know, if you have a bad attitude about this, it's for sure, for sure not going to go very well. Yeah. And the therapists who tend to not do very well, um, with things like role play where they get really frustrated with doing role plays and stuff like that with clients mm-hmm. and they have the attitude like, well, this ain't going to work. And I'm like, well, yeah, for sure. If you have that attitude, but like, have you ever ran a role play group that didn't work? My, my clients love my role play groups. Uh, never. I've <laughs> never ran one that yeah. didn't go, but it's because I'm, I'm digging it and I'm enthusiastic about it too. Mm-hmm. And so I think they set the tone for that, but that has to go. I mean, I know I've seen, I've gone through a, uh, uh, law enforcement academy um, for for a prison, and they do a ton of de escalation stuff, right? And but I have also heard officers 
that that just say you know they're but no scum they they you know do this like if heads if he says no I'll just spray him I'm like wait wait, wait with what you know like geez there's not a there's not another step there negotiate just spray him with OC and call it good you know what I mean so I think that uh that you know you can train all you want um, and some people will struggle with ever just you know getting attending to it and wanting to implement some of the skills that are known to be effective and I think people on the criminal side of things will always be not be given the benefit of the doubt. It'll always be turned into, well, had you not been doing this, then this wouldn't need to happen in the first place. Damn there, the approach. Um, but it seems like, I mean, if you had just any inclination and a little bit of consideration and some skills, well, yeah, you can talk your way out of some of these things and then nobody has to die in the process. I mean, that's three hours well spent, dude. That's three hours. Yep. And that's super cool. Cause like, I mean, I, I get what you're saying though. I, there is, there are some officers that do have that attitude, you know, the whole, you should have thought of that before you committed your crime or the kind of, and just sort of the zero tolerance for it. And I, I don't know. I don't know if that can be trained out. It, it, it kind of takes coming into the police force or, you know, forensic social work mm-hmm. already maybe having the predisposition that you're willing to tolerate some level of bullshit, that you're willing to accept that some people you're, you're catching them at their worst moment. You know, I, I, I can think of myself at some of my lowest moments. I don't know how rational I've been before. Right. And yeah, yeah it's, it's just like. It's basically like every Tuesday. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Every, every Tuesday I need to be talked off the ledge. That's a new low. <laughs> Twice as low as last week. <laughs> Just when he wakes up. Yeah. He's like, God. I still have red hair. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> Not again. Yeah. It, there's definitely a predisposition for it. And, you know, and I, I've said that with therapists before as well, is that like, you know, some some therapists have a natural talent for it. And so, you know, you can teach them the skills that we teach in the CBI trainings or whatever it is. And, you know, anybody can do an imitation of a therapist and they can, you know, talk about a behavior chain or, you know, talk about a social skill. They can use all the same words that an effective therapist does, but it's just not the same as when you have somebody that has a passion for it Mm -hmm. and an ability. And again, like with you, a silky smooth voice, I mean, that helps. (laughs) It does help a lot. It does help a lot. Yeah, that's why I wondered how I even do. Like, your voice is nice, too. People like your voice. It's like gravelly and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, dude, I don't know how anybody likes my voice. I got the <laughs> shittiest voice on planet Earth. Like, kind of nasally. No, I, I, yeah. I know, I know. Like, <laughs> kind of high-pitched. I know. It's, yeah, it's, almost, it's almost like borderline nerdy. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, you don't have to even try to do the nerd accent. <laughs> yeah, it's just yeah. natural. Well, I do a really good nerd accent, yeah, but yeah. I'm just saying. You do have a top-shelf nerd accent. Yeah, yeah. for sure. But, but at the same time, though, like... Yeah, I, I mean, I don't know. It's it's fun to laugh at, though. That's what I feel. I feel yeah. people are laughing at me, not with yeah. me, which I'm fine with. Yeah. You know? As long as they're laughing. As long as I get yeah. chuckles. Yeah. That's, that's right. all, all that matters. That's right. So. No, well, yeah, man, that's awesome. Mm-hmm. We'll, uh, I think we'll, we'll probably have to have you come on again if that's oh, cool. Yeah, well, yeah. Of course. yeah. Definitely down, or we'll man. do some, some, uh, podcast swapping and be a guest on your show too. Hey, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, absolutely. yeah. Awesome. Some good stuff. Yeah, and and I'd top. say definitely after you get some internship under you and then you do some actual mm-hmm. stuff with clients and then that'd be a good time to revisit this. Don't you think? Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. I think so. Beautiful. Yeah, cool, let's, cool. let's catch you midway through your internship. Huh? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. Cause it'll kind of, it's going to be interesting. Law enforcement side, right? And then the therapist side. Kind mm-hmm. of having to switch modes pretty much. But I don't it's, think it's going to be a problem for you, man. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, but see, and then we can come up with a better MCOT team. <laughs> yeah, there we go. There we go. That's what we're going to work on. We'll, we're call gonna, it, yeah. the, we'll call it the Justice League. Yeah. <laughs> Good idea. It's yeah. <laughs> been used before. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Well, well, what's the name of your podcast again, man? Uh, so, Yeah, no, definitely. my The name of my podcast is My Life as an Adoptee slash Underdog. And basically, I tell about my life experience um, in law enforcement, just my story in general. I also read books, too. Mm -hmm. uh, to make it more kid friendly and stuff like that cool mm -hmm. okay so everybody listening subscribe go check it out give them a couple of listens and everything and then uh yeah we'll see you guys back next time perfect cool thanks man And that's a wrap, folks. Thanks for swinging through the jungle of forensic clinical treatment with the Gorilla Social Work Podcast. We hope you enjoyed exploring the psychology behind crime and therapy with our fearless hosts, Jeff Ginger Nymph Moore and Mace Warren, the dynamic duo of psychotherapy in the criminal justice system. But before you go, don't forget to hit that subscribe button on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, YouTube, or wherever you get your earfuls of knowledge. And if you're feeling extra generous, share us with a friend or two or 30 or whatever. Help spread the guerrilla warfare tactics far and wide. We'd like to stay and chat longer, but we're lying. Good night.